0: This is John W. Whitehead, author of Battlefield America, The War on the American People, bringing you a message about the state of our nation. It's the middle of the night. Your neighborhood is in darkness. Your household is asleep. Suddenly, you're awakened by a loud noise. Someone or an army of someone has crashed through your front door. The intruders are in your home. Your heart begins racing. Your stomach is tied in knots. The adrenaline is pumping through you. You're not just afraid, you're terrified. Desperate to protect yourself and your loved ones from whatever threat has invaded your home, you scramble to lay hold of something, anything, that you might use in self-defense. It might be a flashlight, a baseball bat, or that licensed and registered gun you thought you'd never need. You brace for the confrontation. Shadowy figures appear at the doorway, screaming orders, threatening violence. Chaos reigns. You stand frozen, your hands gripping whatever means of self-defense you could find. Just that simple act of standing frozen in fear and self-defense is enough to spell your doom. The assailants open fire, sending a hail of bullets in your direction. You die without ever raising a weapon or firing a gun in self-defense. In your final moments, you get a good look at your assassins. It's the police. Brace yourself, because this hair-raising, heart-pounding, jarring account of a no-knock, no-announced SWAT team raid is what passes for court-sanctioned policing in America today, and it could happen to any one of us. Nationwide, SWAT teams routinely invade homes, break down doors, kill family pets. They always shoot the dogs first. Damage furnishings, terrorize families, and wound to kill those unlucky enough to be present during such a raid. No longer reserved exclusively for deadly situations, SWAT teams are now increasingly being deployed for relatively routine police matters, such as serving a search warrant, with some SWAT teams being sent out as much as five times a day. SWAT teams have been employed to address an astonishingly Trivial array of so-called criminal activity or mere community nuisances, such as angry dogs, domestic disputes, improper paperwork filed by an orchid farmer, and misdemeanor marijuana possession to give a brief sampling. In some instances, SWAT teams are even employed in full armament to perform routine patrols. These raids, which might be more aptly referred to as knock-and-shoot policing, have become a thinly veiled, Court-sanctioned means of giving heavily armed police the green light to crash through doors in the middle of the night. No-knock raids, a subset of the violent, terror-inducing raids carried out by police SWAT teams or on unsuspecting households, differ in one significant aspect. They are carried out without police having to announce and identify themselves as the police. It's a chilling difference. To the homeowner targeted for one of these no-knock raids, it appears as if they're being set up by villains mounting a home invasion. Never mind that the unsuspecting homeowner, woken from sleep by the sounds of a violent entry, has no way of distinguishing between a home invasion by criminals as opposed to a police mob. In many instances, there is little real difference. According to an in-depth investigative report by the Washington Post, and I'm quoting here, Police carry out tens of thousands of no-not raids every year nationwide. Folks, while the Fourth Amendment requires the police obtain a warrant based on probable cause before they can enter one's home, search and seize one's property, or violate one's privacy, SWAT teams are granted no-not warrants at high rates such that the warrants themselves are rendered practically meaningless. In addition to the terror brought on by these raids, general incompetence, collateral damage, such as fatalities, property damage, and so on, and botched raids are also characteristic of these SWAT team raids. In some cases, officers misread the address on the warrant. In others, they simply barge into the wrong house or even the wrong building. In another subset of cases, police conduct a search of a building where the suspect no longer resides. SWAT teams have even on occasion conducted multiple sequential raids on wrong addresses or executed search warrants, despite the fact that the suspect is already in police custody. Police have also raided homes on the basis of mistaking the presence of or scent of legal substances for drugs. Incredibly, these substances have included tomatoes, sunflowers, fish, elderberry bushes, keenop plants, hibiscus, and ragweed. All too often, botched SWAT team raids have resulted in one tragedy after another for the residents with little consequences for law enforcement. The horror stories have become legion in which homeowners are injured or killed simply because they mistook a SWAT team raid by police for a home invasion by criminals. Too often, the destruction of life and property wrought by the police is no less horrifying than that carried out by criminal invaders. As one might expect, Judges tend to afford extreme levels of deference to police officers who have mistakenly killed innocent citizens but do not afford similar leniency to civilians who have injured police officers in acts of self-defense. Indeed, homeowners who mistake officers for robbers can be sentenced for assault or murder if they take defensive actions resulting in harm to the police. The problem, as one reporter rightly concluded, is I'm quoting here, not that life has gotten that much more dangerous, it's that authorities have chosen to respond to even innocent situations as if they were in a war zone. Indeed, a study by political scientists at Princeton University concludes that militarizing police and SWAT teams, again I'm quoting, provide no detectable benefits in terms of officer safety or violent crime reduction. This study, the first Systematic analysis on the use and consequences of militarized force reveals that police militarization neither reduces rates of violent crime nor changes the number of officers assaulted or killed. Indeed, SWAT teams designed to defuse dangerous situations such as those involving hostages were never meant to be used for routine police work targeting nonviolent suspects, yet they have become intrinsic parts of federal and local law enforcement operations. This is exactly what we can expect more of as a result of President Biden's commitment to expand law enforcement and so-called crime prevention at, believe it or not, taxpayer expense. As I make clear in my book, Battlefield America, the War on the American People, and its fictional counterpart, the Eric Blair Diaries, our privacy, property, and security are no longer safe from government intrusion. No matter what the politicians insist to the contrary, militarized police armed with weapons of war who are empowered to carry out pre-dawn raids on our homes, shoot our pets, and terrorize our families are not making America any safer or freer. The Rutherford Institute is doing its part to push back against the police state and make the government play by the rules of the Constitution. But we can't fight these battles alone. To join the resistance, visit our website at www.rutherford.org and check out our library of thought-provoking commentaries, legal resources, and so much more. Subscribe to our email alerts and I will send you my weekly commentary, Rutherford press alerts, and a weekly rundown of pertinent headlines and news articles to keep you apprised of the growing threats to our freedoms. And finally, if you are able, please consider making a tax-deductible donation to the Rutherford Institute by again visiting us online at www.rutherford.org or donate using PayPal. Your donation allows the Rutherford Institute to push back against the government's power grabs, corruption, and ongoing assaults on the Constitution. Together, we can make America free again.